Welcome to MF Gamers Podcast. I'm Simon. And I'm Lee. Today we're going to be having a bit of a chat about fighting games, or the fighting game series. Well, give us a rundown. Yeah, it'll probably mostly be Street Fighter, that's where I've got most of my experience, but there's some earlier 3D fighting games, Soul Blade and Soul Calibur mostly, and maybe even some of the Dead or Alive series. So that's what we're going to be talking about. Do you want to give us some background on your fighting game experience? Yeah, I grew up in the 90s, um, that kind of age. So obviously around about that time there was a lot of Street Fighter 2 being played. You know, I played even some Mortal Kombat with friends. Even remember renting some early SNK fighting games. I think uh, Phil Fury. Those were pretty hardcore. Yeah, I don't think I was any good at them. Yeah, I didn't really understand them that much at the time, but I still jumped around and kicked people. That's fun. Later than that, yeah, it was the 3D era. A lot of Soul Blade, I played that game a lot on the original PlayStation. Same on the Dreamcast with Soul Calibur, along with Dead or Alive 2. Later on, I would get into Street Fighter 3 Third Strike. They released one of those compilations on the original Xbox. That was like the first time I played that. Yeah, I really liked it. What were its spin on the fighting? Street Fighter 3. Yeah, so the I guess the big addition of Street Fighter 3 was the parry system. Whenever one throws an attack, instead of pressing back to block like you would normally in Street Fighter games, you had the option to just time a forward tap and that would just negate their attack and you could counter off it as well. It made it a really interesting game to play. Yeah, well it became a rhythm action game if you were really, really mm. good at it. Yeah. I should imagine. Yeah, that's right. And then later on, I got into Street Fighter 4 when that eventually came out a number of years later. I was also really into Tatsunoko versus Capcom on the Wii, which is kind of an odd place to play a fighting game, but it had that one, and it is, it's a good time. Uh, but now it's Street Fighter 5. I mostly play it, as well as whatever similar fighting games I get my hands on, like King of Fighters 14. In fact, I should mention, maybe I did play a little bit of King of Fighters 13 previously as well. Guilty Gear, Skullgirls. Yeah, Marvel vs. Capcom, and that's where I'm at now. Right. For a little bit of background, my fighting game history is absolutely terrible. Street Fighter 2, I think Soul Calibur, Virtua Fighter, I played a little bit, the Tekken series. What was your experience with Virtua Fighter? I found it really difficult, but I think that's more down to, like, I don't cap this off with all the fighting games I played. I've tried to get into a lot of fighting games. Right. The last one was Super Street Fighter 4, and I just don't have the mentality for it. I think someone once explained to me that Street Fighter is like playing real-time chess. Yeah, I've heard that before as well. And I don't, like, I can play strategy games and stuff like that, and I think, oh yeah, that, like I should be able to get this, but with, with fighting games, I just can't do it. I probably think the most proficient I've ever been at fighting games is either Tekken or Soul Calibur 2. Mm. I tend to favour the, not the huge guys, but you know, the ones that have got 
they're, they're still quite sizable, but they're pretty fast. Yeah. So maybe you got people like like saying Soul Calibur, maybe like Siegfried and Nightmare. Uh, no, my favourite in that one was Raphael. Oh, he wasn't too big, wasn't he? The guy with the nunchucks. No, he had a rapier. Oh right, no, yeah, I'm thinking of Max. I don't know. It's been, it's been a long, for, it's been a long, long time since I played those games. Mm, same here. I tend to favour that the biggest guy that's the quickest. Joe, there's got to be some trade-off. Yeah. You usually see people and they, they favour very, very specific characters like like you mentioned uh, Nightmare there, Siegfried. Is he called Siegfried? Siegfried, uh, I think so. He is now. Yeah, <laughs> we've decided. Or Zangi for, you know, those type of, Joe, the, the big guys. Like yeah, they've, they've got a forte for controlling. Yeah, they've got a forte for controlling that sort of fighter. And then you'll have other people that are like Kami or Talim. Yeah, people who favour like glass cannons, basically. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I I'll put my hands up and I I know basically fuck all about these games. I know a lot of people that know a lot about them. But right. <laughs> for me, sometimes when they start talking about stuff, it's like yeah, this I'm sure I know some of these words, but I, they're not making any fucking sense to me. So, yeah, you're going to have to be, break it down into, like, layman's terms for us fucking thickies that are not well-versed in the fighting game lexicon. Okay, so, start from the top. What is right with these games? And what's wrong with them okay. as well? So, like, the pros and cons of each game from a design perspective as well as gameplay. Right, let's start with a game like Street Fighter 2. It's hard to think of a lot wrong with it because it is a simpler game. There's not necessarily big combos. There's not big systems. There's no, you know, there's no dashing. You know, the movement is simple. Once you jump, you do commit to an arc, you know, so everything's very predictable. I didn't realise that. I always thought you could move, well, certain games, but I always thought Street Fighter, you could move backwards and forwards in the air. No, it's a, a committed arc once you jump into it. Right. Definitely. Okay. I think most most fighting games are like that. I don't know of many where you can have that kind of control, other than like maybe Smash Brothers. But there, there could be others. I mean, some others might have like a double jump and then you can you can almost yeah, like, like triangle jump like a dash all thing. yeah but anyway yeah so Street Fighter 2 doesn't have a lot of that yeah so Smash Brothers has this arc a controllable one Street Fighter doesn't do that so it, it's predictable you know when someone the movement of it there's not a lot of combos you jump in you hit heavy you put the command for a special and that's most of your combos there's a few more longer than that but other than that they're quite simple yeah I'm gonna say like Street Fighter is one of those games that it's complexity lies in its because it's basic, I think. Mm. Does that make sense? Like, because you've got all these ingredients and you can sort of mix them up how you want. That's how I always sort of looked at Street Fighter before it started getting a bit more complicated. Yeah, there's a lot of mind games. There's a lot of trying baiting people out. It's mostly about that. I'm sure someone who plays it more professionally might have a different idea. It's a fighting game and it's like rawest element though, isn't it? Yeah, it's the reason why it's probably the start of, you know, it, it really set the benchmark. The foundation. Yeah, a lot of fighting games that are still like that now. And I guess you've got the 3D fighters like Soul Blade, which is the first, you know, I wasn't really that into Tekken as a kid. That, I, like, I had a copy of Soul Blade and I loved it and I didn't really <laughs> bother with many others. But that was a long time ago, so I'm kind of struggling to remember what was actually bad about it. I know what was good, but I think it's just been iterated on with the sequels. I suppose a lot of fighting games are like that, but I think especially so with, with Soul Blade. This is going to sound like heresy right. for many people that play fighting games, but I never really enjoyed Soul Blade. But at the time, there was a game called Cardinal Sin. Do you remember the game called Cardinal oh, Sin? No. It was weapon-based fighting in a 3D arena, just so you could sort of like run round each other and stuff. It was shit. Right. Even <laughs> even by then standards, it was a bad game. But 
Yeah. I'll tell you what, it, it was like a shit version of Bushido Blade, which I love. I, I was going to ask that, was it more Was it more like Bushido Blade? Yeah, uh, like a shit version of Bushido Blade. Like a cross, a bastard right. child of Soul Blade and Bushido Blade. Right. Well, I guess we don't need to keep an eye on that one at Evo then. Certainly not. Dead or Alive, which that game has a reputation, <laughs> which I guess you could call a problem <laughs> if you want to talk about those kind of problems. But, but mechanically, I actually like Dead or Alive quite a lot. It's very different to other fighting games in that, to me, it often feels more like a, rather than a fighting game, it feels more like a, just a one-on-one action game. Or much like Ninja Gaiden, which is a... It's more bombastic. Yeah, you know, it, it's not so much about learning combos and systems and that. It, you know, it's got a very kind of simple paper, scissors, rock yeah. thing with in terms of hits, counter and throws, you know, like each one beats the other. A lot of fine games are based on that kind of thing, uh, but it, it's very prominent in Dead or Alive. From the little bit I remember playing it, it sort of, instead of, uh, I know we spoke about Street Fighter Alpha, Street Fighter 3 Alpha, where you could press forward, I think it was just a button there, wasn't it, to counter? Yeah, third strike. Oh, fucking... Yeah. I, you'll, yeah, you'll be correcting me a lot on this shit because right. the titles on these fucking games, are, especially Capcom ones, are just ridiculous. Mm. I think it was Square, and you could sort of like... Because I never I never really understood that when I was playing until I was playing a person, like a Joe yeah. one-on-one. And then it was like, oh, Square actually does something. It grabs hold of the fist, Joe, or the leg. Basically, you, you can make an opening for yourself. It's not just pressing the button, it's always tied to a direction as well. So you have to sort of down back, just back, or up back, you know, depending if it's a high, mid, or low attack. Right. So, yeah, because I'm hoping I'm remembering this correctly. Unlike most games, like, say, Street Fighter, once someone starts a combo, you can't really get out of that until it finishes. Unless the, yeah, until the they game, drop a juggle. Yeah, unless the game has some kind of sort of combo breaker, basically. But, you know, I'm pretty sure with Dead Alive, you, you could stop a combo at any time and it was more about the person doing the combo having to mix high and low and mid a lot to stop themselves getting countered yeah the person getting attacked had like a one in three chance of reversing it each strike yeah and uh annoying thing i used to quite enjoy doing is stopping mid combo and just going into a throw also mixing up like that yeah there's a lot of mind games in dead drive and i like it. i'm not going to sit here and say it's like actually an amazing game but i think as an entry level fighting game i think it's really quite good mechanically so we come to maybe the other more recent fighting games like say from street fighter 3 onwards i think we start seeing more problems they added more and more systems more and more mechanics i mean like as i was talking before about the parry mechanic in street fighter 3 it's not that friendly it's it you know it does create a, a skill gap in the game when you fight someone who really knows how to use that system yeah i'm gonna say street fighter 3 were the one where i were like yeah i've had enough of this like i don't know what's going yeah. on and then, of course, you've got all your EX moves as well as your special moves, and they have different properties, and then you can combo off them in different ways. Basically, if, if you, you know, spend meter to do the EX move, and, you know, that brings in meter management that people, you know, maybe get a little bit put off by. And then, you know, Street Fighter 4, you've got the focus attacks, which can be cancelled, and that's actually quite hard to do. That's quite a dexterous thing to do, especially if you're someone who struggles to do, like, a dragon punch anyway, if they even struggle just doing a Z motion yeah like a an input mm. any input that's like more than forward punch or whatever 
Yeah. And, you know, in Street Fighter Five, while I think it's definitely easier than 4, it still has a lot of that kind of stuff. You know, it's, there's two different kinds of meters to watch. There's, you know, you've got your V-triggers, your V-skills, your V-reversals, then also your special moves. Your, you know, like before, you know, if you've got all your meter, you can spend that and into a high attack super. I never, ever got mired around this. Even <laughs> in Street Fighter... Were they a bar in Street Fighter 4? Yeah. I can't remember. There was two. I ne- yeah, I never used that. I never used it. I'm one of those people that I just want a dust up. <laughs> like, I don't right. like this. this <laughs> you're starting to go way above like what I'm capable of tolerating when it starts going into mechanisms like that. You never practiced your focus dash cancel into ultra. You never in Street Fighter 4. You know when you were playing it, that. Are you, you speaking in English it. here? Because yeah. you've fucking totally lost me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I think that's where the problems start coming. Not that these systems are bad and aren't fun, it's just that they become quite difficult to use and rather famously, I don't think these games do a very good job at all of teaching you it. Evidently. Yeah. I'm, I'm proof of that. Mm. You mentioned dexterousness and what have you like. I just, right. I wish there was somewhere where you could slow time right down. I think that were a thing for me. When okay. I were trying Street Fighter 4, well, just in, in any game generally, You'd have like your magazine open, or you'd have your training mode open, okay. and it'd be like, oh, do this, do this, your like input, and it'd be the like two quarter circles forward, and you're right. just doing quarter circle, quarter circle, and it's like nothing's fucking happening. And then you'd you'd eventually pull it off, and it's like okay, and you get to a point where you could do it reliably in the training mode, mm-hmm. and then when you were playing an actual game, like either AI or a person, just could not fucking do it to save your life. Right. I think that added layer of pressure outside training sort of fucks my coordination up. And I, I, I know I'm not the only person that suffers from that. No, I went through that as well. When it comes to that, it's just practice, but I wouldn't know how to speed up that process too. Because I'm not sure if having, say, the ability in a training mode to slow down time to let you think more. I mean, maybe it would, maybe because it's, I don't think it's something that's been in a fighting game yet. It can maybe be worth trying. Because I think it is just getting used to the timing that is part of getting good at it. And I think messing with the timing is, uh, I'm not sure how, how uh, helpful that would be. It could create a stumbling block, like, further on. Once mm. you get up to, like, times one speed. Yeah. I guess. It wouldn't surprise me if they have tried it and gone yeah this is shit and just stopped it because of that reason but yeah I, I always have trouble stepping outside of um, fighting games stuff like Tony Hawk's and Skate okay. do you know where you, you're having to put I mean they're more freeform of course like because you can sort of do what you want there but they just turn into button mashes for me and you can say the same for games like Street Fighter and right. Soul Calibur and stuff like that like I say I, I go back I just think it's my mentality like what I'm pressing isn't matching up with you know what's happening on screen Okay. for, for many of the cases don't think I've had that trouble with fighting games because I know when you, you say you mentioned Tony Hawk there because um, I often felt with that game it didn't matter that much what you were pressing as long as you were getting the timing right as long as you were releasing and being in a state you could land again okay I don't think the actual inputs were never that important but whereas in a fighting game you know the inputs are very important yeah. You do have to be pressing the right things to, you know, get the most optimal combos or, or like the good results. Smaller windows of opportunity, I guess. 
Mm, yeah. Whereas in Tony Hawk's, you've got, you're either on a rail or, well, you, you can only really do the tricks and stuff while you're in the air, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I, that's a really shitty comparison. But I think the dexterousness of what I'm saying is like, I, I sort of feel that that ability as a gamer is beneficial, do you know, if you're going to be playing fighting games because you, um, it helps to have Joe the speed and the coordination. Oh, yeah. So Joe pull that stuff off. And sometimes, like, if you're like me and you get flustered, it can fuck you up and make things very unpleasant to play. It definitely does help with a, a bit of dexterity, but I don't think it's hugely important because I, I don't think I'm hugely dexterous. Like, I don't even favour characters in fighting games that have the sort of big, long, sort of hard-to-execute combos. I would like to use characters like Ibuki, who are sort of quite quick and execution-heavy, but I've tried and it's... It's just never a style of play that I'm going to be able to do. I do have to tend to stick with the more medium speed sort of characters as much as I'd like to get into some of the, the quicker mm. ones. This sort of goes back to the um, when we were talking about Nightmare and Zangief and what have you. Like the people mm. that favour the sort of things have to be catered to, you know, within the roster. Yeah. Just because there's people in the roster that you can't control don't mean that the game's not for you. It's just, Joe, you need to find your niche, I guess, and, and yeah. your niche is, is not Ibuki. No, it's not. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's one of the troubles I have with Guilty Gear XR. As much as I'd love to be good at that game, I just can't find a character that suits me. They seem to exist within a place where they are just sort of quite quick and execution heavy, or they've got a very specific gimmick. Like, there's a character who, I think Venom his name is, he fights with a pool cue and basically he puts pool balls all over the screen like he can manipulate space that way and he can like use his cue to hit them and it's just very sort of gimmicky very strange way of fighting and the kind of mindset you have to have there's another character where you press a button your character will do something and re a release a button uh, a shadow kind of character that exists with them will do another attack and their combos are some weird way of holding down buttons and hitting another button and letting off another that sounds then, super convoluted yeah whenever you see one of the pros use that character and it's just mind-boggling to think what they must be doing on an arcade stick to uh <laughs> to do what they do yeah that's that sort of sounds like playing like a cross between braid and fucking a fighting game joe like with a shadow <laughs> hitting them yeah just like fucking what you know guilty gear is definitely not that approachable which is a shame because again it's it is a lot of fun when it's going right and in terms of teaching people mechanics there's no worse game reader than king of fighters it is really very similar to uh, the street fighter games so they should be kind of understandable and it's also only a four button fighting game so in a way it maybe could be simpler especially it could be easier to play on a pad but it actually does an, an awful awful job of uh, teaching you what you need to be doing it'll drop you in a training mode it'll teach you the basics how to move and that but most people who've played fighting with game before will know all that they know how to dash you know how to jump well the king of fighters does have a bit of a unique mechanic where you can just kind of tap the jump like tap forward jump to do uh, like a short hop or right hit it harder to uh, do a, a bigger one there's a lot of movement options in king of fighters that's something that's really good about it it's what i really like prefer it even to uh, street fighter yeah i won a copy of king of fighters I can't remember which version it was and I've got to be honest it was fucking impenetrable yeah. for someone like me like it was just there's your tutorial off you go go do your arcade mode and I, I could get maybe like two three fights in before I was like yeah I can't do this and this is in this is insane like I'm just getting fucking like 
perfected back third fucking character. Was it on the 360 or something? Because that could have been. Uh, no, it was PlayStation 3. 3. So it could have been King of Fights 13 then, or 12 or 13, that would be then. Yeah, and once you do go into like the challenge mode to learn the combos, it's like it just jump, chucks you right into some quite advanced ones. And that's the kind of stupid thing because there is some fun and quite simple combo system in it. At least understanding that well enough would get you through the arcade mode. Uh, yeah. I remember 13, the AI on that actually got quite brutal quite early on, especially if you didn't figure out the uh, the simpler combos on your own. The one that I had, one Relentless, it was fucking insane. I think that was one of the times where I just... I was just like, yeah, I don't know why anyone plays these games because these are just too fucking much. Yeah. I think it spent all of a 40-odd minutes in my system before I was like, yeah, fuck <laughs> this. This is insane. Like, I'm done. Yeah, I don't blame people from bouncing off that game. I really hope they figure out how to, you know, make it more approachable and not by dumbing down mechanics not by i think the games do have an auto combo system where you just hammer light punch like five times or something and it does a simplish combo on its own but i they're, they're not any good they're, they usually have quite bad damage scaling so you know there's a way of saying look it's well maybe doing this combo manually yeah but i, I think it does teach bad habits and, and don't really teach you what is actually going on yeah so auto combos you know, there's a lot of damage scaling on them. Uh, so, you know, obviously it's always more beneficial to do a uh, manual version of it. But I don't think the, the auto combos teach you what exactly is going on in that combo. And, you know, you're just watching something happen and not really learning anything from it. I guess it can be satisfying when you just want to do some damage and watch something cool on the screen. But uh, I think beyond that, they don't they don't really do anything. Yeah, the, the more of a crutch, I'm guessing, instead of actually learning you to judge what you need to be doing yeah definitely i mean as hard as guilty gear xrd is and also Skullgirls is really good at this is they do have these tutorials that teach you a lot about the game but it's all very it's reading a lot of text boxes and then trying to reenact it you know you're never really shown anything it's uh you still gotta it's more studious you've got to do a bit of studying yeah. and i suppose that's not going to work for everyone though so that, that's still a hurdle i think for people to uh for, for getting into fighting games or like these games in particular one night we were playing in a party. This is going back to the Xbox 360 late Friday nights, and there were a couple of guys playing Blast Blue. Okay. And it was like the people that were playing it, not really fighting game people. Right. I seem to remember the guy that was doing the best. I'll just name drop him, it was Craman. Right, okay. It was, it was Mike. Right. And he was, he was kicking everyone's ass, and it was like, oh, people were getting a bit pissed off with him. And they were like, yeah, fuck this, let's go to Street Fighter, you know, where we've got some idea of what we're doing. So I guess Blaz Blue is, is kind of good for, you know, when you you mentioned going back to, oh, I forget which game, or Dead or Alive, yeah. for sort of like an entry-level fighter, I, I think Blaz Blue might um, might have those qualities. I, I, I don't know if it does. I don't think it's Blaz Blue is actually that different from uh, Guilty Gear. Um, it's maybe a little bit, it's got a little bit of an easy entry level. What I think with, I mean, obviously I wasn't in this party and I don't know what who Craven was using or, or anything like that, but, but especially if people are used to playing other fighting games, maybe he clicked with a certain, I wouldn't say gimmick, but a certain fighting style and, you know, the others just couldn't figure out how to counter it because, I mean, much like Gitli Gear, Blaz Blue is uh, full of characters with a lot of gimmicks where it almost feels like some characters are 
almost existing different games you know they, they require a very different approach mm-hmm. so yeah that's what I I don't really necessarily think it's an easier game I think just Kramer there probably found something with the character that he was using and just beat everyone's ass just using doing it you know yeah possibly mm. it's, it's, it's feasible yeah that would be my guess anyway from someone who's played Blaze Blue a little bit myself uh, what about the really really simple games like uh, oh, what were it called Drop Kick? Oh, dive kick. Dive kick. That's it. Yeah, that that's basically two buttons and directional. Uh, no, it's no direction. It's just two buttons. Is yeah, it? you uh, one button is jump, the other is do a diagonal kick, which I think, depending on what character you have, has a different trajectory. Uh, you hit both buttons at the same time. The theory being, you kick the world so hard that it, it moves everyone back, or at least moves your character back. So yeah, you, you've, it's just those two buttons. Yeah. Have you ever played that? Um, I've never it? actually played it. I've just uh, read a about it because I know it's sort of like a bit of a joke but well, a lot of it's mind well, games well that's the thing it started off as a joke because of how powerful dive kick style moves are in uh, fighting games I think it's more one that's name checked a lot is Wolverine from Marvel vs Capcom 2 I think he, uh, his well it wasn't so much a dive kick but it was a dive sort of it's a normal dive but it was a, a very ridiculously strong move and they thought it'd be funny to make a game entirely based on it parody yeah but as they were designing it they kind of realized they hit on something and just how much of a kind of psychological game it is and how interesting it is to boil a fighting game down to its sort of purest form it's minimal ingredients yeah and it and i guess that's the thing it kind of became an interesting thing for people to think about think about write, write about you know i remember seeing a lot of um kind of uh, game critics from just really writing about it, really getting them to think about just, you know, the, the essence of fighting games, you know, through Dive Kick, you know, which it, there was some interesting stuff written about it. But yeah, I never actually played it myself, though. It was, it was, I just like, did like the idea of boiling it down to its purest form. So we've gone through like difficulties and, and stuff, and do you know, I've like talked about impenetrability and accessibility, but is there a nice point between the accessibility of a game? versus Joe. I think the easiest way to explain it is Joe the skill ceiling. Yeah. Is there a nice way to make it nice and even but still have um, a nice skill ceiling, do you know, to where it can be played competitively is the best direct way I can say it. What you mean as in competitively at a lower level? Yeah, well, competitively on many levels, on many like rungs of the ladder without it being like sort of shitty. Uh, I think, um, I know that this doesn't have a link to any fighting games but say in Overwatch you could pick Torbjorn so you don't you don't need to have good right. aim because his turret sort of like does the shooting it's sort of automated like yeah. do you know you have like your ev- entry level characters but they're doing the heavy lifting is is there is there a way to, to design these games and make it so that there is characters that do the heavy lifting but it's not totally automated right. in a way that Joe makes it unfair to people that, that are playing Joe like a higher skilled character that can get punished by those lower skilled characters I think it already kind of exists at least in Street Fighter 5 because the moment you started saying that I immediately thought of my main character that I use Ed so if you don't know about kind of Ed in Street Fighter 5 is he is very very different to um, other characters in that he doesn't have any kind of his special moves and quarter circles or Z motions. All of his special moves are just tied to hitting uh, two buttons, like two punches will make him do his like dragon punch equivalent. Right. Two kick buttons make him do something else. But doing his combos are very simple. It's 
especially as someone who's like used other characters before you know i come to him and it, it's just like everything comes so naturally so yeah and i reckon he's kind of a good way to start because then you're not really worrying about combos what you're just worrying about is are you in the right position if they're blocking are you using safe moves and not using your own safe moves too much you know you, you are starting to think of those elements of the Do game you want to elaborate on the safe moves and unsafe moves so okay so let's say i hit you with a crouching medium kick um that has a so when i hit you with it and you block you're le- left in something called block stun for a certain amount of frames and uh, i can recover i can finish my animation and then go into a, a state where i can when you try to punish it i can block basically right okay so yeah there's there's less windows for retaliation yeah and an unsafe move which is you know traditionally a sort of a, a crouching fierce kick as it tends to be called in street fighter which uh, yeah would lead if it's blocked you're, you're still got they've still got plenty of opportunity to punish you basically um so with uh, and also with edit it's distance because a good bread and butter combo with him is his crouching medium kick into the uppercut move but it doesn't work if you're too far away even if the the initial kick hits um if you're too far away you're going to whiff it you're going to miss and so it it gets you he's a character that gets you thinking about that side of the game more and not worrying too much about combos whereas you know a character like Ibuki and Kami who have like sort of bigger longer combos and that's mostly their game plan you know so I guess in a way in Street Fighter 5 exists they've tried to make it work already I don't know how Ed sits with new people but I think in theory it, it should be something that as long as they're committed they can learn a certain way of playing the game which could help them then understand you know the rest of the roster another comparison i want to to make it is i know it's not a one-for-one fit but games like monster hunter and ninja gaiden and devil may cry and stuff they have extra long combos which sort of like i see you mean in stuff like tekken as well king had one which were just fucking ridiculous it was just like a, a roll-on combo throw sort of thing and it was sort of impractical like you see these things and it's like no one's ever going to use that like what what do you think about stuff like that like these really really long sort of showboaty fucking things yeah impractical yeah it's in impractical to pull off yeah yeah i mean i i don't mind them being in there uh it's just i mean character like abuki say in street fighter you know that is very much part of their game plan and if you're not comfortable with those kinds of way of playing then it's just essentially that character isn't going to be for you and that's why i, I kind of struggle to get into guilty gear because that is kind of very much that it's, it's hard to play that game in a satisfying way without being able to do all these kind of very showboaty combos uh, but at the same time it is something to kind of aspire to because i watched fighting game streamers and stuff and seen what they can do and it's especially when i'm at the point where i understand exactly what they do and exactly what they're pressing it's just doing it and i think i just treat it now as something to kind of aspire to so i think they maybe should be in the game as that you know just to show you what your character could be capable of right and you're not averse to stuff that's like you know these fucking combos that are basically life bar destroyers that can take a life bar off if, if you get caught with them to be honest in more modern fighting games they often aren't the case and i'll mention guilty gear again once you passed so many hits maybe like 12 hits every hit after that does very little damage because because of such bad damage scaling and like I said to do big combos in that game it isn't necessarily to do the most damage it is just showboating it is just mind games it is just like uh, <laughs> just making a fool of someone you know watching that counter go up just into yeah. 
yeah. fucking double, maybe even triple numbers. Like yeah. fucking killer instinct. Exactly. And, and the, your life bar might not even be going down that much, but still just watching that happen to you is, is like enough, I think, sometimes. Yeah. Well, it's like a humiliation sort of tactic. Yeah. After killing someone so many times in Halo, you teabag them just to annoy them. Do you think, like get the rage up? I think it's a lot classier than that, thankfully. <laughs> not, not that fighting games don't have their trouble with teabagging. Or humping or whatever. But yeah. yeah. Showboating. Like, you're not averse to it then. Not if it just looks good, because I think the whole point of fighting games is to, like, look good, do cool stuff. You know, it is basically a video game equivalent of an action film, you know, you, yeah. when he does, like, the big cool move and stuff, you know. Yeah, it's the video game equivalent to me, so yeah, the fancier it can get, the, the, the better. Yeah. As long as it don't strain to lewdness with teabagging and unsportsmanlike conduct. Yeah, because that's fine with it. anybody can teabag, you know, but not everybody can do these kind of mind-bending sort of combos, you know. How would you fix the problems that fighting games have? It is a lot about accessibility, about tutorialising. You know, that's the hump because as it is now, how I got to the level that I'm at that isn't great but it's uh, it means i can hold my own in a lot of fighting games it wasn't in-game tutorials that helped me at all really they might teach you the general mechanics but not really how to play the game i learned from twitch and youtube watching streamers yeah. having them kind of explain it like show you what's yeah you, you got your tutelage outside of the game yeah because it wasn't available inside the game and if it was available it was absolute garbage yeah it was either just simple or just reams of text boxes full of fighting game jargon <laughs> you know yeah so i would learn from watching hours of youtube watching twitch and people who play fighting games on those and not everyone's gonna have that commitment. in fact most people aren't gonna have that commitment to do that so you know we need to teach the game more naturally within the game itself while they're just playing so we mentioned before soul caliber uh, soul blade as well that game single player mode was really interesting you would have all these different matchups and all the fights would have like all these different properties sometimes it would just be a normal one-on-one -on -one fight but oftentimes it, it wasn't it would have a challenge like you can only do damage to people when they're airborne so the key you're doing a lot of damage is then to juggle people yeah. Or other things like you could only beat them with a ring out, so you kind of learn how to push people to Zo the edge. Yeah, zone them. Yeah, exactly. Through all these challenges, what you didn't realise is just how much you're learning the game, putting you in these specific situations and making you think about the game in specific ways. This was the campaign of the game. It never treated it like a tutorial mode. Yeah. It was just some fun thing that you just played the game and did. And through that, you learn about all these strange mechanics. And I think there's a real opportunity in modern fighting games with all of its systems to have a similar kind of mode. Say we're playing Street Fighter V, there's quite an important mechanic called V-Trigger, which changes your character. With some characters, it's a move. With others, it changes your character's properties and how they attack afterwards, give them different options. But what's kind of important and a very useful thing to do with V-Trigger and Street Fighter V is you can use it's a combo extender so you can get a few hits hit your v trigger and that resets the thing so then you can well it resets the game in a way and then you can get another it's like hit. doing a, a is it reverse going back to the tony hawks we were speaking about you could sort of re a revert that's what it's yeah. called so it like yeah. it reset all your things yeah and you could then combo into a manual and hit off a half pipe revert and then go into a manual and maintain your combo yeah that's a way of explaining how, how it can kind a of good work. comparison yeah it's not a bad comparison at all 
So you could set out a challenge where you could only do damage once you've comboed into B-Trigger to really sort of make you figure out when you're meant to do it, where the opportunities are, you know. Yeah. I just think, yeah, making challenges out of the systems and mechanics would really teach the game a lot better than just, you know, oh, here's how you move, and oh, here's a bunch of combos, learn them, which isn't that helpful at all, really. Yeah, you've got in your notes here about Mortal Kombat. Now, here's an interesting thing about Mortal Kombat. Back when PSN had its fucking month outage or however long it were down, I were in America, and one of the nephews had Mortal Kombat and that had the tower in it and it'd have stuff like you'd have your arms missing so you had to build your game round your kicking combos or your uh, opponent's head would be missing so you had to do like body shots. Yeah I did um, like I've not played the Mortal Kombat games but I am aware of that mode and I had I did do a little bit of research into it before I made those notes and yeah that's so it is something that does exist in a more recent game. There I don't think it was it doesn't seem like it was that I feel like it'd be used to teach. Like, I feel like with that, it's, it's just a, in that mode, it's more of just a fun mini game kind of challenge. But I suppose, yeah, um, it could, in the exact same way, it could still teach you that. Yeah, like subconsciously tell yeah. you, hey, you want to do this because X is off the table. Yeah, it'll just get you used to, like, and knowing where perhaps just using kicking moves would be beneficial, maybe even at times, you know. So, I mean, we've covered the mechanics and stuff about the fighting games and, and what we or what you do to try and, you know, iron out the issues that they have mm. with being accessible and what have you. But what would you do about sustaining a community? Because I know when, going back to the old um, Street Fighter 4 came out, pretty much half of my friends list were playing that. Right, yeah. And a couple of weeks later, it was basically you and I think Martin were playing still and it had shrunk to, do you know? Yeah, I definitely remember. Yeah, it weathered down to maybe four or five people that used to play and it were like, well, this was 30 people, so like a month or two ago. So what would you do about sustaining the community? Like, obviously, being more accessible is going to, you know, keep people in the fold, but the fighting game genre is quite a niche one and if you don't have people coming in and staying, it's... It's not yeah. going to grow. So, I mean, what what would you do to you know, bring it back to the, the heady days of the 90s where fucking fighting games were basically one, if not the biggest fucking genre going? Yeah, it's difficult. I think that's, you know, one that they keep trying different things. Because even back in the 90s, let's just talk about that again. There was nothing really that the games did then to sustain them. I think it was just the fact that a lot of people played them, a lot of people knew Right time them. and right place. Yeah, and the fact that the games, like we were talking about earlier, the, you know, Street Fighter 2, it is a simpler game. So how to get people to stay and play these newer games, is, uh, which are a bit more mechanically complicated. I mean, I think there's things that they do already. Street Fighter 5, for example, has does have weekly challenges. So, you know, you can come in, it'll say, win 10 casual matches for... 3,000 fight money. Right. And then, of course, that'll help you unlock stuff further on. For reference, how much would that earn you? So you'd have, like, your, your 10 wins fight money. Right. And then your 3,000 fight money. Like, what's its monetary value? That could, that could get you some of the cheaper colours. So you need a lot. A character is... Is it 100,000? Holy fuck, that's a lot of money. Yeah, like they don't give them away, really. They, they do require a bit of a commitment in terms of time. I always looked at like the, the the marketplace for what they were doing with that. I thought, oh, that's going to keep people in. Mm. But 
Joe just making everything free. Uh, for the people that don't know, Street Fighter basically did this thing where you, if you play games online, everything's free. All the characters are free, all the colours and stuff are free. Uh, are the backdrops free as well? Uh, stages, well, the free as in they can be earned with fight money, yeah. Right, yeah, so the idea was, if you played the game and you played it enough, you could basically save your fight money up and buy them. But I thought that that were a good ploy, but it looks to me that they've totally highballed the prices on that. And maybe that's put people off, because they're like, fuck this, I have to play like another fucking 100 matches, you know, win another 100 matches before I, I even get clucked. How much... How many wins does it cost to unlock a character? The fight money thing is weird. So you get a thousand fight money for every time you level up a character. And it's very easy to level them up to say up to level 20. So you'll get a right. good bit of fight money to do it then. But then after that, it, you have to win so many to level up your character. Or at least you don't have to win. You still get experience on a loss as well, but like half the amount, right. maybe even less. So yeah, it does get to a point where once you've got all your characters up to say level yeah, you 20 get like a, a credit plateau yeah it becomes very difficult to earn like money and then that's when you just end up just buying the season pass the character pass now as to call it and then you know you, you get your characters then because you paid your money for them yeah any fight money you get after that you know you just perhaps use on stages and colors things like that yeah that's sort of what they did with rainbow six isn't it rainbow six siege you get credits for playing and the the characters in game that weren't dlc are budgeted out they're going increments so like your first one no sorry the the budgeted out in nationalities and each time you buy a nationality the next nationality costs more money like double the credits it's not expensive, like, you can unlock them all, you know, within, like, a couple of, like, a week's play or something. But the DLC ones are, like, 20,000 credits each. So, nice. yeah, they're quite expensive. Like, it's not, you're not going to get them just by playing casually, you know? Yeah. And I think that's the sort of thing that Street Fighter has tried to do, and it's, Joe, they've gone too hardcore on it, maybe, pushing people towards purchasing. Yeah, they've maybe not just done the best maths. Or maybe it's perfectly fine maths, and they're making good money off, you know, the few people are still willing to pay that kind of money. Yeah. A balanced economy, that's the best way of explaining it. Like, a balanced economy, where it's fair for the people that are investing the time, but the people that want to just totally skip it, then... Yeah. It's still worth it for them. Like, you know, the time. Paying to cut the time out to unlock stuff is worth it, but actually spending time and, and getting rewards for it is still worth it as well. Like, yeah. it's not it's not too easy come that people feel cheated out of the money, but it's not too hard come that people are just like, I'm fucking wasting my time here because I'm playing and playing and playing and I'm, I'm unlocking nothing. Yeah, and another aspect, at least when it comes to characters, and, and it's the reason why I last year did buy the character pass, and I probably will this year as well, is I, I just like having my characters there, and even though I might not use the characters, I'm, I often like playing around with them in training mode, so I at least understand them, so when I'm fighting against someone, I kind of know how they work firsthand, that, that yeah. I'm more comfortable fighting against so them. I'd, yeah, know that I an enemy. Yeah, because I remember when I didn't buy the character pass on the first year, I did just try to earn them, and I did end up earning them all anyway. But I remember having fights with, like, Guile, and I think I had a good period where I didn't have Balrog as well for a while, 
and fighting those and not really even though I've obviously fought them in other Street Fighters and know the gist you know there was enough differences to make me think hang on what's going on here you know when yeah when their they victories something... were handed on a plate because you didn't know what you were up against yeah yeah so that, that that's why I probably still will be I still think it's better to have them there but you know they've got, they've got to get money somehow <laughs> I guess another thing I've been thinking about in terms of keeping people playing and in Street Fighter or any other fighting game that decides to keep always online sort of uh, thing is uh, what they do with the Splatfest in Splatoon, how they just take a period of time and they change the game into uh, that, that rewards people in a different way, like I feel like you could like every month in Street Fighter 5 they could make a, somehow a simple sort of opt-in tournament, the way you can kind of opt-in into Splatfest I mean, I, I don't think you can opt-in though, can you? because uh, everything that you play on Splatfest is a Splatfest game after a certain time isn't it you know what i'm not sure because i've never put splatoon on and not been part of the splatfest while it was going yeah i think if you if you're playing splatoon you sort of you have to nail your colors to a flag and then over that weekend or whatever it is you have to you know whatever you do goes towards that house right so you do something similar so like instead of saying like ice cream or cake or whatever right. they have on fucking Splatoon or whatever silly fucking arbitrary things of yeah. Joe put up for people to vote for you'd have like Ken versus Ryu and you pick a stable and you fight for their cause over it's basically like a week or something and then if your club wins you get extra rewards yeah, that could be something. But I'm just wondering if, you know, they could do something a little more complicated than that. Like, maybe have, like, maybe not a tournament, because that, you, that would require perhaps some crazy servers. But maybe at least a league. Like, maybe you pick your character, like your main, and you see how many wins you can get and how many... Yeah, you know, just, just having some kind of fun event. Like a ladder? Yeah. This thing sort of goes back to, like, keeping a community costs. I don't play fighting games, but right. I do play stuff like Overwatch and, you know, that do have ladders in them, right? And yeah. not only I'm out of practice, so that probably affects the overall standing, but when I were playing Overwatch regularly, I were like a mid-gold player. Now, I, I don't think I could get out of bronze. Oh, really? The quality of the players is has gone up significantly. Your people have left it. So, yeah, that sort of thing with these games, you need a big community to, to support the ladders. Because yeah. otherwise, I mean, you know, well, I'm like, I'm not exactly the world's best player, but I'm not fucking awful. No, no. But according to according to Overwatch, yeah, I'm literally the dregs of <laughs> Joe, that community. <laughs> and um, yeah, I think that's a little bit unfair because you know there are probably people that are worse than me, but because of the way that the ranking system works and the way that the community has just dissolved over time. Mm. I mean, they've sold so many copies, but obviously people aren't playing it all the fucking time. No. But it sort of just fizzles out. So, yeah, I think it's a weird thing to look at. Overwatch is also a really good way to, to look at, like, you mentioned Joe the Splatfest. Like, yeah. having events like Overwatch does, but based around a fighting game framework would possibly work. Like, giving people your Santa costumes or Easter Bunny. <laughs> Yeah, well, oh, there's already that kind of stuff, but they, you know, you just buy them. I feel like doing something like that would be at least worth trying with fighting games. Because, you know, just having your general ranked online mode and an arcade mode, you know, I don't think that... I think a lot of people's mentality in games now, you know, they need something that means something every time they yeah. play it. It would be beneficial for them to do more in that regard. To have a bit more body to them rather than just a, here's your fight, you won, you lost, you move up. Yeah. Like the, a levelling system and a reward system that's 
that feels it gives enough feedback to the player to make them feel that the, the time's worth spending there. Yeah, but the trouble with that is now, again, we're going to talk about a game here I've not played a lot. I've just, you know, heard, talked about and read about is uh, Injustice 2. That game has a lot of customizable options for its uh, characters in terms of uh, costumes. Uh, I think there's a mode where it matters because they can, there's stats tied to the costumes, but I think in like ranked mode, it's, it's purely just cosmetic. It, they, they, yeah, the look is just cosmetic. But the problem with that is it's got a kind of loot box unlock mode. So you can, so as you progress through and start winning fights and then, you know, cashing in your loot boxes, it could just be a arm piece for a character you never use. And, you know, it, it's really bad. It's, a, you know, a really unsatisfying way. The economy is upsetting the balance of the game. I know Blakey were playing that and he said, yeah, basically it got to a point where he were playing online and everyone were wearing like top fucking gear, jaw like costumes. And he just right. couldn't make it. Well, I'm saying he couldn't make a dent in them, but he says like it was, it was fighting uphill. Okay. Do you know, I fucking try because it well, their stuff were just like they did more damage per punch. Yeah. Or they could block more damage per like job when they were defending, and it, it just it got it got to a point where they were like, I it, I'm wasting my time here because I'm not spending any money to unlock the loot boxes. Yeah, essentially they lost a player because of that. I think the I'm pretty sure I I always thought in in that game it was ranked modes that it, it was just cosmetic it, that it, like it didn't matter what level what or what the gear was it was the way they looked it was was just those stats didn't matter in ranked matches yeah. it balanced it out but much like uh, the how Destiny One would work in uh, in its Crucible or, or yeah Destiny, yeah, it yeah. Just, it, well it, it maxes everything out so everyone's on a level playing yeah game. but I, if I actually if I remember correctly it might be then this is a stupid thing or maybe they changed it with an update later on I don't know but it was definitely a point it was an opt-in thing and both people had to opt-in to ha turn in the stats off but and I think if one didn't then both people went in with their stats. I oh. think it worked like that at some point. I don't know if they changed yeah, that's that. terrible but, uh... design. Thing is, I mean, look at that from the perspective of the players. Say, like, I have the fucking stats and you don't. And we go into that game, you go, hey, do you want a fair fight? Turn stats off and I'm like, yeah, like, fuck, I've paid for this shit. <laughs> like, I'm going to beat your ass up and down here. <laughs> yeah, why would you give the power to the person that's possibly got the max stuff and also is a thing as well right if both people are like okay yeah let's leave both stats on right that means that both those players are fucking both maxed out because why would you go in to the fighting game with stats on if you knew you didn't have the stats to cut it so they're just it's a pointless yeah pointless game design like you've, you've added all that shit in and the only people are going to use it are the ones that are either paid to win against the people that haven't paid to win. And the people that have paid to win, if they're both fucking ready up and say, yeah, this is fine, then it's it's level anyway because they're fucking, like, why would they fucking opt in to do that anyway? Why would you want opt in to lose? That's just fucking stupid. Yeah, I mean, you just got to hope. I mean, I usually find, well, since I've been playing fighting games online, there is a, there's a, there's a bit of honour amongst it. But it, it does rely, it would rely on that to people to go in and think, yeah, I, I just want to have a fight against someone. I don't necessarily want, you know, I only have this stuff I'm wearing because I think it looks cool. You know, they're not actually that concerned about that kind of thing. But yeah, yeah, that, that that's putting a lot of faith into a community which maybe is a bit misplaced. So, what do you think about streaming and Twitch and YouTube and stuff like that? I know we brushed up on it earlier, but where do you think the future of fighting games goes with the broadcasting side of things? Because Evo's fucking massive. You can't deny how fucking big that that is. It's become part of the gaming year for a lot of people in the same way that E3 is part of the gaming year. Or a Steam sale. 
Yeah, I think it's been hugely important with the resurgence of because I think it's a it's a very easy type of game to watch. I think fighting games are really good spectator games. To be honest, things like Overwatch as well, Dota, Counter Strike as well, Player Unknowns. Yeah, things about these kind of games is they rely on a lot of different perspectives and seeing where other people are in relation to the others. It can yeah. be kind of confusing. Fighting games are just on one screen. Yeah. It's a shared screen experience. Yeah, and you can see everything there. Everything's easy to understand. I think it lends itself really well to it. That's why fighting games now, they tend to be, like, really popular now. And I think it is largely because of, like, you know, people watch EVO. And, like, it gets people hyped up a bit. And like, oh, I want to do that. Even if though they do just maybe try it for a few hours and realise they can't do it. They can't play, like, Tokido or someone like that. But as for the future of it, I mean, I don't know. They, You know, you watch, like, EVO or the Capcom Cup which seem to have pretty good production values and everything. Maybe it doesn't feel quite like a, uh, you know... A, it's not like watching Grandstand, is it? Sometimes no. it's a bit sweaty, like it's slapped it is. together and a bit, a bit <laughs> it, grimy. It, it's a little more slapped together, but I think it's definitely improving. I think all I can really see in the future is it is just making those kind of improvements. And I think commentary is good. Perhaps in the commentary there's quite a lot of gamer speak. There's quite a lot of nerdy humour, which probably isn't going to be the most approachable thing to everyone if it is going to get a broader audience than it has. Needs to be spoke about in layman's terms to, yeah. to catch the person's ear that might not know what the fuck they're talking about. It's like, for instance, watching cricket and they say, oh, the bold are googly, and it's like, well, what the fuck's a googly? <laughs> At yeah. least, you know, explain what's going on. I saw something recently and it wore an acronym. Right. And I, like, I literally have no idea what that is. I had to go Google it because it was it bugging me so much. So, yeah, I have an acronym in fighting games which kind of drives me up the wall. And it's OTG. And OTG is off the ground. Now, why it winds me up so much is off the ground is three syllables. As is OTG, it's not saving any time. Just say it off the ground. And then people will start to realise, oh, what that means is... Basically, that means when they're lying down and have been knocked down and actually on the ground, you can do a move that lifts them up back into the air. Right. There's a lot of that in Marvel vs. Capcom. Pretty much every combo will probably involve that somehow. It goes with addiction with the game. It's getting that impenetrability back in that, that makes it hard for people watching. Yeah. The shoutcasters don't really realise that there might be filthy casuals in the stream watching and they're just alienating them by using language like that. Yeah, by just saying, oh, that's an OTG. It's like, you know, if even if people don't know the, the, the specifics of what off the ground means, it's still hearing that you still get a gist. Yeah. Even if you don't know what, what the mechanics of the off the ground are. Well, it's more like you can take those words and just think, oh, it must have been something about being off the ground. You know, whereas someone says OTG, it's like, what, what, that's just fucking letters. <laughs> a bleak, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's just totally opaque towards your, like, you've got to know what they're talking about to know what it means. It's just another hoop and another sort of barrier of entry to yeah. understanding it. What about people that actually use YouTube to... I'm not talking about, like, live streaming stuff, but actual job recorded events. Okay. Uh, what what do you think about stuff like that? Well, I think when it comes to like more recorded stuff games, it is mostly combo videos and uh, are just a general kind of content that you get with any genre of game. You know, like people doing like history of certain games and things like that, or, or just you know recordings of live streams. I wouldn't know really where else to go with kind of fighting game YouTube. Do you kind of have a, an idea on that? There's communities that I watch videos of, like. Um... I watch Overwatch videos, 
people like Overwatch Central and Stylosa and you, know, you have the people that float those communities. Uh, Monster Hunter's one where you have like Gajin Hunter and Arex. Arex is another one for Destiny and stuff like that. So you have people there that you know are pushing out content for people to watch and news and, and sort of deconstructing you know what's happening with those games as your news rolls out. Yeah. I, I don't really know if you have stuff like that. Oh yeah, there's definitely YouTubers like that. The one that I follow that kind of sets a bit is probably Maximilian. So Maximilian, he worked on Killer Instinct, and not on the game itself as a developer, but just on the marketing side of things, which involved him doing, you know, when he was doing trailers to, you know, he'd obviously need builds of the game so he could do combos yeah. and stuff that, you know, so he was uh, kind of involved with that game a bit. It clued into what were happening. Yeah, and because of that, he knows people who know people and hears things and usually has quite a good insight on things. So yeah, he's usually pretty good to watch on this kind of stuff. I'm sure there are other people that do similar stuff. I'm, I'm I've not looked super into it, but there must be competition for that kind of thing. Yeah, I am guessing so. Okay, so that's... <laughs> I'm going to wrap it up now because we've been talking for quite a long time. Yeah, it's quite a niche thing to be talking about. So I hope you found it interesting. I certainly did. I've been Simon. And I'm Lee. And we'll... Or I will see you next time on the AMF Gamers podcast. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>